are here discussing in the series, Faith and Prayer. And we're going to pick up where Pastor Lingerfeld left off last week in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. And he was dealing with this concept of underestimating Jesus. Underestimating Jesus. Have you ever had anybody underestimate you? Have you ever had anybody not think you could do something? Or, and what, how did you feel? Discouraged. Yeah, discouraged, right? Not, not real excited, right? Well, how many y'all know we don't want to underestimate what Jesus has done for us? Amen. I said, how many y'all know we don't want to underestimate what Jesus has done for us? Amen. And in our daily Bible reading, you know, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, we've done this for the past few years, and I'm always struck by when we go through the Old Testament, especially the first few books of the Old Testament, how the concept of the Israelite or the Hebrew children going from slavery to the promised land. And you know, God delivered them from slavery. God delivered them from a terrible situation. Anybody in here been delivered? Amen. How many all praise God for being delivered, amen? amen? But how many all know that's not where it stops? And then they have the process of in the wilderness, and then they have to learn their lesson in the wilderness, and then they have to learn how to take over the promised land. And it's a different type of mentality. It's a different type of mentality going from just being delivered to walking in the victory or walking in the promises of God. And that's kind of what we're, what we're doing here, and that's what we're doing here on Wednesday nights. Well, and, well really, we're doing it every time the uh, doors of the church are open, and that is to get you to change your mentality because if you don't change your mentality, you cannot possess what God has for you. Tell your neighbor, say, if you don't change your mentality, you ain't going to get it. Now, I know that's, that's not what a lot of people hear, but it's true from the Word of God. We see that you have a part to play, and it takes a lot of focus. How many of y'all know believing God takes focus? It takes a lot of focus, not just personally, because I don't know about your personality. Maybe you are perfect, and maybe you don't have any challenges with your personality, or maybe you don't have any challenges. As soon as something needs to be done, you do it right away, and you get it done right away. But we have our own selves that we have to work on. And then we've got all this junk going on out here, trying to pull us in different directions, maybe trying to intimidate us, maybe trying to scare us, uh, you know, or Satan's trying to talk you out of it, or he's trying to make you think you can't have it. And we've got all this stuff going on, and it is a full-time effort just to stay focused. So your neighbor say, you need to stay focused. You stay focused. And you got to stay focused on what God has in store for you. And we're going to talk about that tonight, about this concept of being a new creation. But just because you're a new creation doesn't mean you can just be lazy. As a matter of fact, because you are a new creation, it requires more effort from you. It requires effort of you studying his word, listening to his Holy Spirit, staying consistent, staying on track, not getting off doing things even when it looks like nothing is happening, sowing, 
Uh, sowing even when it doesn't look like you're reaping anything. I mean, you've got to stay on top of it. And Pastor left off in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 last week, talking about neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. Taylor and I would say, don't do it. Now, who's the understood subject there? Who is not supposed to give place to the devil? We are. We are. And this reminds me of Kenneth Hagin's book, The Believer's Authority. And if you're new to the ministry or maybe you haven't ever read that book, I would highly recommend that you get that book and read that book, The Believer's Authority. And he talks about how in 1952, he had a vision of Jesus. And Jesus spoke to him about demons and, and, and Satan and diseases for about an hour and a half. And he says, as he was there speaking to Jesus about the end of the time that he was speaking to Jesus, all of a sudden, this demon popped up, this little demon popped up, was standing in between him and Jesus, and he was, this little demon was jumping up and down saying, yakety yak, yakety yak, yakety yak, yakety yak, yakety yak. And because he was saying that, anybody who's had a kid before knows, sometimes you gotta tell your kids to be quiet because you're in a conversation. You've ever had that happen, right? And so he couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. Now, how many know if you saw Jesus face to face, you'd kind of want to hear what he was saying, Amen. right? And he kept waiting. He kept waiting for Jesus to do something. Well, Jesus just kept talking. He just kept talking. And finally, Kenneth Hagin got upset and said, I command you in the name of Jesus to shut up, to stop. And so the demon immediately stopped. And then he told the demon, I tell you now in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And the demon left. And Jesus is just talking away. Just, he, Jesus is talking like there's nothing going on. And so he's sitting there, he's listening to Jesus, and he's a little, you know, interested in what's going on. And then Jesus says, well, you're probably wondering why I didn't do anything about the demon. And Caleb's like, Hagin was like, yes, I am very interested in this. He says, well, I couldn't do anything about it. That's the authority and the power that I've given you. And Kenneth Hagin I'm summarizing this. Kenneth Hagin said, well, Lord, I've never heard that before. You're going to have to give me at least two witnesses. You know, let everything be established in two or three witnesses. So you're going to, you're going to have to give me some scripture on this. And Jesus said, okay, I'll do better than two. I'll give you four. So he gave him Matthew 28. He says, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So who has all authority? Well, who had it first? Jesus. And who did Jesus give it to? Us. Then we see in James, James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves to who? To God. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So not only are we supposed to not only are we supposed to submit ourselves to God, but we're also supposed to resist the devil. Now God cannot resist him for you. And Pastor was dealing with this last week. He can't do this for you. You cannot give Satan an entryway. You must resist him. Then he, then in Paul, we just read that Ephesians chapter four verse twenty seven. Neither give place to the devil. And then we find out from Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Be what? Self what kind of controlled? Self-controlled self and what? Alert. alert. What? Alert. alert. Tell your neighbor, say, wake up. Wake up. Tell your neighbor, say, you need to watch it. 
You got to be alert. Why? Because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he said, I gave you Jesus as, he goes, I gave myself as a witness. I give you James as a witness. I give you Peter as a witness. And I give you Paul as a witness. And that's what we got. That's, that's what we're talking about here. Taking, taking the authority that Jesus has given us, changing our mentality, and learning how to walk with God. Because isn't that what the Hebrew children have to, had to learn how to do? How to walk with God. They couldn't act like they were a slave anymore. Now, God was their source. And because God was their source, they had to learn how to walk as God being their source. And that old generation that, was, that were slaves and were free, you would think they would be getting up every single day, breathing the fresh, free air, and thanking God that they're not a slave anymore. But nope, I'm amazed. Doing the daily Bible reading, I was amazed this time again. How many times, how many stinking times they said we would rather go back and be slaves again? I mean, it wasn't just the 10 spies that said that. It wasn't just a couple of people that said that. I mean, it was over and over and over and over and over. It's a mentality. Tell your neighbor, say, it's a mentality. Well, God hasn't called us to be slaves. God has called us to be free. I said, God has called us to be free. God has called us to walk in his provision. But guess what? If you're going to walk in his provision... There's going to be some things you're going to have to do. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to stand up on, right? And this whole concept of the new creation, Jesus is the Lord of this new creation. Jesus is the Lord of this new creation, this new mentality that you and I have. And we've been taught for so long to talk about our weaknesses, about our inability, about our unworthiness, about... Uh, you know, about how we don't have this and we don't have that. Well, how about we start saying what he says we are? You know, and, and we're afraid. I don't understand why, I don't understand why we'd be this way anymore, but we're afraid that people might think we're fanatical. How many of y'all know we've, we've done cross that bridge? I said, how many of y'all know? We, if, if you in 2023 cannot stand up for Jesus as much as the world stands up for their filth, that's a problem. They're fanatical. They are fanatical. Man, they are, they are 100% on top of their messaging, and they are 100% committed to what they believe. So, I mean, in 2023, you know, to say that, well, someone might think I'm a little fanatical, I think we've already crossed that bridge. I think we've gone past that. Amen? Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in who? He's a new creation, the old is gone, and the new has come. All this is from who? Who is this from? Say it, say, this is from God. You are a new creation, and this is from God. Now let me hit it from a slightly different angle, because, you know, speaking to the teenagers of this church a lot, you know, a lot of them... Uh, you know, when you say the old has gone, the new has come, well, somebody that maybe was delivered out of something, that might mean 
they understand exactly what that means. But when you say that to a young person that's grown up in the church, when they gave their hearts to the Lord when they were four years old, you know, you say you're a new creation, the old is gone, they're like, what old? You know, what, 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 when it, you mean what I did when I was three years old, that's gone, okay. But so I explain to them that look, this new creation is God's way of doing things. So in other words, the old is gone, the new has come, so we are not living like the world lives, we live the way God has called us to live. So that's what it means to be a new creation, that we don't do everything the way the world does. We do it, as a matter of fact, we probably do it the exact opposite the way the world does. So it's, it's that mentality. It's that mentality. You've got to change. You've got to change. Look, if you didn't hear Sunday morning's message, Pastor Learfield's message Sunday morning, do yourself a favor, get on YouTube, watch it, watch it, and then watch it again, and then watch it a third time. You say, why? Because it gives, what he was discussing, what he was talking about Sunday morning was a perfect example of what we're talking about of being a new creation. He was in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And I know Pastor Learfield has learned this from John Osteen, and that is, is that you don't have to always scrape from the bottom of the barrel you can actually live at the top of the barrel, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you open up a brand new, you know, a brand new jar of strawberry jelly. Oh man, that's awesome, right? It's one thing just to take it off the top, right, and put that on your toast with butter. Oh my goodness, I'm a little hungry right now, can you tell, right? And you put it on there, right? But then how many of y'all ever had to like dig around the bottom, you know, you're like trying to put it together just to have enough? right? See, see, people are used to living that way. That's the slave way, okay? But now we're free, and we walk in his provision. So we don't live from the bottom of the barrel anymore. Now we live from what? Top, Top of the barrel. And then we learn Sunday from pastor's message that we don't even have to put our hands in the barrel anymore because you know, the disciples had all, they had, they had enough money to go buy food for everybody, but no, Jesus used what they had, right? See, this is a whole new way of thinking. Do y'all see this? This is a whole new way of thinking. See, some of y'all are having a hard time thinking about this right now because you're used to looking and checking your, checking your, your, your checking account. Okay, I got $40 left and I got four days that's $10 a day, and then I got this credit card over here that has this much credit available, and then I got this credit card over here that's got, now don't, I don't want any witnesses on this, but I know some of y'all have lived that way. Don't look at me that way. I'm trying to help you here. Right? Right? But how many y'all know? We don't have to live that way. How about, how about buying something without having to check your bank account? Amen. How about buying something without having to put a credit card down? Or when you put the credit card down, you immediately go make the payment. That's a different way of living. That's, tell your neighbor, say, that's a different way of living. But if you want to live that way, it's going to take focus. It's going to take faith. It's going to take you walking in as a new creation. All this is from who? All this is from who? God. 
God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has, com he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Praise the Lord, amen? So we have receive this reconciliation. We are back in business with God. We have a relationship with God, but it doesn't stop there. Not only do we have a relationship with God, but now we are supposed to let other people know that they too can have a relationship with God. So it doesn't stop with us. Turn so never say, it doesn't stop with you. Stop Amen. So he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And Satan has no dominion, none, none. None. He's got no dominion. And let me tell you what else Satan likes to do. This is exactly what the culture has done to us today. They push and they push and they change the boundary and they change the boundary and they change the boundary and then they change the boundary so far that now we accept things that we wouldn't accept 15 years ago. Because we're like, well, okay, well, at least it's not that far. This is exactly what Satan does. He comes in and he starts pushing the boundary and starts pushing the boundary, starts pushing the boundary and pushing the boundary. And then you're like, okay, well, we've gone this far, but at least we're not, you know, at least we're, no, don't accept any of it. None of it. None, tell your neighbor, say, I'm not having any of it. Tell your neighbor, say, I don't know about you, but I'm not having any of it. Amen. Amen. He wants you well, then I want to be well. He wants to, he wants to provide for you, then I want him to provide for me. He wants me to be happy, to be full of joy, then I want to have his joy. Right? I'm not letting him, I'm not letting Satan come in and getting me to put up with something that is not God's will. That's what, that's what their mentality was. Well, you know, at least when we were slaves, we had food. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? There are people tonight that should be sitting in these chairs right here tonight. But they've gone back to the way they used to live because they didn't take, they didn't have enough, whatever it was that got them off track, offense, uh, distractions, disappointment, discouragement, whatever it is, got them off track when God wants to take you to the promised land. God wants to take you to the land of more than enough. But it's going to take some focus. I know I keep saying this. It's going to take some focus to get there. It's going to take some effort. <gasps> effort. Yes, effort. Effort. How many of y'all know to pray takes effort? Amen. That's five of y'all, so I guess five of y'all prayed this morning. <laughs> How many of y'all know to read your Bible takes effort? Amen. Oh, Aaron, I love the Word of God so much, it's effortless for me. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Right? Because there's distractions everywhere. There's distractions everywhere. Satan has no dominion over the new creation in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. We are God's what? Workmanship. workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We were created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works. We were created in Christ Jesus 
to do good works, which, by the way, I added that, which, by the way, God prepared you in advance to do, which, by the way, you already have the capacity and the capability to do it. See, we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, when we were recreated in Christ Jesus, when Jesus rose from the dead, the work of the new creation was consummated in Christ. It became a reality in us when we took him as our Savior and confessed him as our Lord. Now, God the Father has declared you and I as his sons and daughters. I said, God the Father has declared you and I as his sons and daughters, and who are we to argue with him? And who are we to listen to anybody else that comes along and says we're not? The declara that declaration is the truth, not a truth, not my truth, not your truth, the truth. Everybody say, the truth. The truth. Everybody say, say, I am, I am. A, child a child of God. Of God. Say it again. Say, I am, I am. a child, a child. Of, God. of God. See, sometimes you got to remind yourself of this. Look, I'm not putting up with this. I'm a child of God. I am not putting up with this. I'm a child of God. I am not taking this. I'm a child of God. I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. Now, I may not have, I may not have grown into this yet. I may not have fully appreciated this yet. But the truth of God's word, what Jesus has done for us, stands there as an open door inviting us to walk in what he has called for us to walk in. And that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. You want to know what we do here Faith Christian? This is exactly what we do. We make winners. Amen. I said we make winners. Amen. Why? Because we serve the ultimate winner. We can't help it. We can't help it. We serve the ultimate winner. God has declared in his word that we may do what we may do in the name of his son. Now, we might not have appreciated it, perhaps, but he gave us the power of his son's name as, as the power of attorney has to see what they want to come to pass. John chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said this, until now you have not asked me for anything, in my, excuse me, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. Ask and you will what? Receive. Everybody say, I'm going to ask and I will receive. Say, I'm going to ask and I'm going to receive. Say, I'm going to ask and I'm going to receive. And your joy will be what? Complete. complete. Your joy will be complete. Yes, there's a joy that we're supposed to have when we're waiting for the answer, but when that answer manifests, boy, there's a whole new level of joy that comes in. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. The what place? Highest, highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now Philippians 2, 9 through 11 tells us that his name is above every name and that name of Jesus every knee should bow. Beings in heaven, everybody bows in heaven. 
Everybody bows on earth, and everybody bows under the earth. For those of you who don't know, that's hell. Okay? And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God, my Father. And like we read earlier, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said when he rose from the dead, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority. How much authority? All. How much authority? All. How much authority? All. That's a lot of authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Therefore, what? Go. go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, a disciple means a student or a learner, learning. Jesus never said, go and make converts. Jesus never said, go and make churches. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make what? Go and make what? So churches should be schools of persons of Christ, schools of the word of God. See, this is what churches are supposed to do, and this is what churches have not been doing because they've been trying to entertain people. They've been trying to pull people in by watering it down, but that is not our job. Our job is to teach you the word of God so that you will walk in what God has. Because when you walk in what God has, it's not just for your benefit, but it's also a testimony to others of how great God is and how good God is and that God is alive and that you are connected to God, the ministry of reconciliation, that God, you are connected to God and that they too, if they will follow God's word, can be connected to God as well. That's what we do. It's what we do. You know, on Father's Day, we're going to be celebrating Pastor's 50th year of preaching the gospel, which is really an awesome thing because it's, it's, that's a rarity. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunately a rarity. But in, in thinking about over all these years, listening to Pastor Lingerfeld speak, I mean, I've been listening to Pastor Lingerfeld speak since 1989. Since I was, well, I'm not going to tell you how old I was because you all start figuring, <laughs> some of y'all start doing some math. But, you know, I, I was thinking about just the other day, the first, we, we, when we moved in this building in 2006, we had our last Sunday morning service over at I-30 and Northfielder Road. And then we had a Sunday, or we had a Sunday night service here. And I remember because even the uh, carpet was not on the stage yet, there were still some things that needed to be done. But man, Pastor got up and gave this awesome message, occupy till I come. Where Jesus talked about occupy till I come and how we're gonna occupy till he comes. See, this is, this is, this is what we do. This is, this is who we are. If you will listen if you'll listen, because I know some people don't listen. I know some people don't listen. But if you will listen, and if you will put it into action in your life, Satan will lose the place that you have given him in your life, and you will be free 
And not only will you be free, but you'll be able to minister to others to get them free as well. Amen. That's what we do. That's what we do. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's who we are. Well, what if someone comes in here they've never heard about Jesus before? Well, they can get saved. They can get saved. But we're here to teach the word of God. Why? So you will change your mentality. You'll change your confession. You'll change your actions. And you'll become that new creation that God has already established that you are and can be. See, every believer should be a student of the Word of God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Every, every believer, every believer. I don't know, I don't know how you can walk in the Christian life without being a student of His Word. These go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Because you have to learn You've got to learn. And then you hit different, you hit different phases of life. How many, of y'all, how many of y'all have ever been an employee before? Anybody ever been an employee? This is a test right here to see if y'all are workers, right? Okay. All right. How many of y'all know the mentality of an employee? How many of y'all have ever been in management before? Anybody been in management? How many of y'all know the, the mentality of an employee is different than the mentality of someone in management? You can't have the same, if you're in management, you cannot have the same mentality. You won't, you won't fit, you won't work, you won't be successful. Why? Because, because you've hit a different level. You've hit a different level. And your thought process has to change. Has to change. You know, God bless everybody that works in a factory. I'm not demeaning this whatsoever. But someone works in a factory, they can punch the clock, come in at 9 o'clock, punch the clock at 5, leave, and not think about another thing. Well, how many of y'all know in management you can't do that? How many of y'all know in management you won't last very long if you do that? Right? So this is what I'm talking about. This 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 is what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is When you were a slave to sin, you had one mentality, and God set you free. And he did not set you free to bow down to the world, and he did not set you free to let Satan come in and run roughshod over your entire life, and he did not set you free so you could suffer until he comes back. No, he set you free so that you can follow him, you can learn from him, you can learn how to trust him, you can learn how to do what he says to do so that you can receive what God has for your life. But the only way you're gonna learn that is if you study this book right here on a consistent basis. On a what type of basis? On a consistent basis. It's the only way. Tell your neighbor, say, it's the only way. It's the only way to have lasting success. It's the only way to have lasting, to walk in what God has for us. We should be masters. We should be masters over our lives. By the grace of God, we should be masters of our lives. See, now, some of you have years of religion built up in you. Some of you have years of somebody else saying all kinds of things to you. Or maybe some of you have years 
maybe of disappointments or discouragements. And when I say that, man, all those other things are sitting there yelling in your head, ha no way, that sounds nice, too good to be true. Whatever it is, trying to get you to back up. I'm telling you, pastor said it last week, on last Wednesday evening, you know, there are some things you just gotta meditate on. You gotta meditate on the word. You gotta meditate on, how many all know what I'm talking about? You gotta meditate on the word. Because if you don't meditate on the word, you'll get distracted, you'll get off course, You'll get discouraged. You got to meditate on the, tell your neighbor, say, you got to meditate on the word. <laughs> Why do we say confess the word? Because when you start confessing the word, man, your attitude changes. When you start meditating on the word, your attitude changes. When you start meditating on the word of God, you start saying, nope, I'm not putting up with that. I'm not putting up with that. I'm not putting up with that. I have the authority of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm not putting up with it. So not only do we have the authority to use the name of Jesus to cast out demons and to heal the sick, but that name gives us access to the Father. Access, we have access to God the Father. Meditate on that. We have access to God the Father. Why are you worried? Why are you worried? You know, I can... It's, a, it's an interesting thing when you spend time in prayer, you spend time confessing the word, and you come out of prayer time, and you've got a certain attitude, and then you walk right into somebody who isn't praying, and, who, and, and it's like hitting a brick wall. It's like, it's like, it's like bam. It's like, because they're worrying, they're fretting, they're nervous, they're, they're, they, got a, they got a negative mouth, and you just walk out of the presence of God, the word of God, and you've got, you know, you're, you got this mentality. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? You got this mentality, and then bam, you walk into somebody who isn't praying, who's not a believer, and it's like, oh my gosh, you can tell the difference big time. Amen. Right? I mean, we have access to God the Father. We have access to God the Father. Jesus Christ himself is my high priest. Amen. I mean, my gosh, does it get any better than that? Jesus Christ himself is Aaron Wood's representative at the throne of God. Amen. Come on now. So we're like, well, what's the big deal about that? That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. See, you've got, you've got to meditate on these things. You gotta meditate on these truths. You gotta get them in your heart. You gotta get them in your heart. You know, you hear a song about God's grace, and man, it just moves your heart because you know what Jesus done for you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Right? You hear a song about, maybe you hear a song, <clears throat> excuse me, about God's provision, and man, you just get excited. Why? Because you know it's true, and you've experienced it, and you've lived it. See, this is the way, this is the way church is supposed to be. See, us 
You guys are the hardcore. Tell your neighbor, say, you're the hardcore. You're the hardcore. Tell your neighbor, say, you came out here on a Wednesday night? You came out here on a Wednesday night? In the summertime? In the summertime. Say, you hardcore. You hardcore. Imagine if this group of people here tonight came in on Sunday morning, and when we sing a song about joy, instead of just kind of looking and that's nice. It meant something to you. It meant something to you. We sang last Sunday about what a beautiful name, about, about the name above all names. See, the reason why sometimes when you hear things and it doesn't really move you is because you don't really have it in your spirit, man. Because when you get it in your spirit, man, and you hear someone else proclaim it or someone else say it, man, it's like, yeah. God is a God of more than enough. Amen. Oh, I don't got it yet. I said God <laughs> is a God of more than enough. Amen. Some of y'all still don't got it yet. I said God is El Shaddai. The God of more than enough. Amen. God is, he is Jehovah Tishkandu. He is the Lord God, my righteousness. Amen. See, there's power in this. There's power in meditating on these things. There's power in speaking these things. There's power in, in, in proclaiming these things. Because we are taking, we are new creations. We are new creations. So, praise God. See, in my life, you, you know, you hit different phases. Anybody that's older knows you hit different phases of life, right? Like you hit different phases, you hit different phases, you hit different phases, you hit different phases. Then you start looking. You know, I've got kids that are in college now. I've got kids in high school or a kid in high school you know, we're, we're moving on to different phases of life, right? And you start looking, and you start looking, and you look, start looking at the prices of houses, and you start, and your, your flesh, your flesh, your flesh wants to say, oh my God, what have they done? And then your flesh wants to get mad, but how many all know it does no good to get mad? And apparently it does no good to elect certain people because they're just all, they're going to they're gonna tell you they're doing one thing, but they're going to do another. Yeah, we're cutting spending. Yeah, whatever. If I lived that way, I would be, I would be so far into, okay, that's a different story. But, you know, you start looking around, you think, you start, but no, 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 I serve El Shaddai. And what God did for me, God's going to do for my children. What God did for me, God's going to do for the next generation. What God did for me, and God's going to do for, for, for those behind me as a witness. He is faithful from generation to generation to generation to generation. So see now, see now what, what we're talking about. We're talking about, see, then that new creation thinking pops in. Then that spirit man rises up. And then all of a sudden, you go, nope, nope. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of how. And it's a matter of when. 
And my God, my God, my God will show himself faithful in every, every area, in every way, because he, we sang about tonight, he has been so good to me. See, that's a different mentality. That's a completely different mentality. And that's why our prayer life has to be based on this knowledge, not what the world's doing. 